All right. Hello and welcome just to family. How are you this afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching? I am Melissa Kretschler. I'm your host. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, creator, and founder of not only Just Alive TV, but also the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Today, we're going to be talking about money does not equal happiness. Check out our sponsors, the Phoenix Identity. If you're feeling like your happiness is tied to your finances and that you don't you know, aren't happy without it, go and check out the link, sign up for a clarity session, and let's get talking. Um, today's guest speaker, Travis Shelton, and Travis is a money expert. So let's, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, sure. Well, sure. Thanks for having me, by the way. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I, I'm a financial coach, uh, an author. I, I host the Meaning Over Money podcast. But really, my, my mission in life is to help people find better and when it comes to this work and this money stuff, and often better, it seems like in our culture is more. And, and I always say, you know, more may not be better, you know, because the problem with more is that every time you have more, well, more is still more. And so I, I have the privilege of working with a lot of people, you know, ranging from young teachers to professionals, to business executives, business owners, you know, all the way up to professional athletes. And the thing that's, that always strikes me is that I could be on the phone call with a second year middle school teacher, and then I could be meeting with a professional athlete. And we're talking about the same thing is that that's where this money stuff, it, it, it feels like we live in different worlds, but we all, we all experience the same sorts of things just through a different lens. And so I get the, I get the, the honor of being able to help people, you know, look through this money and work stuff through a different lens. And, and that, that comes out through one-on-one -on -one coaching with, with families and businesses and, and through the podcast. So that's, that's hopefully, hopefully that's, that's uh, what you were looking for there. Absolutely. Start choking on my coughing. <laughs> that is exactly what we're looking for and exactly what we're talking about. Um, I know I've had experiences where let's talk about my husband quick and Quick and foremost, uh, my husband worked in the oil field. And as most people know, the oil field is, is very decent money. Um, unfortunately, we were in a situation where that money got eaten up very quickly. There was one year, though, that my husband worked. Um, he liked his job. He liked what he did. But he has a very strong work ethic. And when I say very strong work ethic, he will go above and beyond um, to his own detriment and the detriment of you know, his family to, you know, provide for, for whatever company it is that he's working for. And so one year he worked um, just under 4,000 hours in one year. And we're talking like 3,900 plus. Um, it was literally wow. just under 4,000 hours. And while he made decent money that year, um, it wasn't worth it. Um, and he ended up switching positions in the company that he was in instead of working massive amounts of hours, um, our oldest daughter turned around and said, daddy, when are you going to spend time with us? Mm. And that was devastating and heartbreaking and, and something that, you know, I sat there and I had heard it already. And I had told him like, it, you, we need, we need this to change, right? Your family is not happy. And I think for me, when I think about money and specifically men in money, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but specifically men in money, a, a man is taught most of the time to be the provider, right? To be the provider, to be the breadwinner, to be the one who's supporting financially the family, doing all the work, um, to the point where that becomes your existence. And 
I've known uh, a few men or, or a few instances where you'll work, 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 thinking that you're doing the best that you can for your family. You're actually depriving your family of your time, of your, your being there. Yeah, and I think this touches on a, re- a couple of really important points, and and, and I, I speak in generalizations a lot. And when I when I say these things, I never mean that, that we're talking about one hundred percent. But in general, men view money as a scorecard, mm-hmm. and men view money as a trophy. We we do good work, and look what we get in return. And so, men often viewed as a scorecard. It can be it could be attuned to status. In, in our standing and maybe our identity. And I think a lot of it goes back to what you just said, this whole idea of providing. And, and I've talked to, to a lot of clients and I'll, I'll have a client that'll make, you know, three, four, 500,000 a year. And they're beating on the drum of, well, Travis, I need to provide, I need to provide, I need to provide. And I always say, yeah, great. We do need to provide, but providing is more than a bank account. It's more than a balance. It's more than an income. It's more than a standard of living. And, and, you know, I'll often at times hear men say that, you know, well, I want to provide my kids all the things I never had. And I want to provide them with these vacations and these presents and this lifestyle. And then I'll say, but what about providing them with your presence? What about providing them with being a, an active father, being an active mother, because that stuff's important too. And so in terms of providing, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more personal responsibility. I'm all in, but I think it has to go deeper than we're providing financially. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that you've had that experience with your clients. It is right. Um, and again, it, it all comes down to those beliefs. It all comes down to what we believe success looks like, what we believe providing looks like um, financially, emotionally, mentally. Um, but again, and specific to men is you're taught not you're taught the emotions don't matter as much as everything else right? Being a man is supposed to be non-emotional, which I call bullshit. <laughs> Sorry for the language, everybody, <laughs> but I call bullshit on that one. Um, and, and it becomes this thing, right? And I've seen um, Jay Shetty. I've seen Darman. I've seen all of these inspirational videos on Facebook, on, you know, uh, YouTube and, and Instagram reels and all of this. And I see these moral stories. And I've seen a couple of them where, you know, the man would look at the, the wife, uh, one in particular, the husband comes home, um, it's the wife's birthday, and she's like, oh, are we going to Disney World? And he's like, he gives her four gift bags. And in those four gift bags, there's one with a card that says rent, one that says food, one that says clothing. And he's like, I've already given to you throughout the year. And I sat back and I'm like, this, why, like, I understand you're trying to show a message and I understand that you're trying to show this, but you're not actually showing how to, like, what the difference is, why this is created. And it's money, it's money, money equals happiness, right? I've provided you with all of these things. And then there, there becomes that equality is what have you provided to me? I've provided you a lifestyle. I've provided you a home, a food, income. What are you providing to me without realizing that we're providing, you know, in this instance or in that instance, providing a home, providing meals, Mm -hmm. providing love and, you know, encouragement. 
And, but again, money equals happiness in a lot of, in a lot of cultures and a lot of mindsets, money equals happiness. Absolutely. And, and I wish I could just say, um, point down at people and say, you need to be better. But I mean, I, here's a story about myself in that regard, because uh, I'm just as guilty. I happen to be a guy. So I, I fall guilty to the same traps. In my prior career, we can talk about this if you like, but in my prior career, I made a lot of money. And I remember balance was really off. I was working a lot. I can relate to you know, your story about your husband and the hours. And, and I was working a lot, but I had these, I had two babies. I had a wife that stayed at home. And I remember I, I was trying to get the balance of my life better. And I, and I, and I did, and I, I got the balance a little bit better. And I was telling my wife one, I said, I said, Sarah, aren't you proud of me? I mean, I, I'm here. Like I'm, I figured out my schedule where I'm present a lot more. And she looks at me just deadpan and she goes, you're here, but you're not here. And I thought, oh man, I've, I've missed it. Like I've missed it. I was, I was physically present, but I was so worn down from everything else that I wasn't really present for, for what she needed as me, for me as a husband. And that was a big wake up call for me to realize I'm providing, but I'm not providing in a lot of ways too. Yeah. And that's, that's so common though. And um, I want to correct you, if you don't mind, for a second, is the guilty. You're not guilty of anything. Um, <laughs> people take that on as guilt. And, and yeah, okay, sit with it because you created that situation. Absolutely sit with that for a moment. Mm-hmm. But understand, anybody watching, please understand that you're doing the best that you can with the knowledge that you have. We're not teaching people. Society, in a nutshell, for the last 50 years, 100 years, has said, make more money. You need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be a dentist. You're not going to be happy as a starving artist. Whatever that looks like, society has taught us that we will be happy with more money. And one of the reasons that I became a coach um, or, or during the time that I became a coach, an identity coach, I mindset, all of that was two of my favorite musicians had committed suicide back to back. And that was Chester Beddingfield and uh, Chris Cornell. And during this time, I had another friend that had, I had a a friend that, our acquaintance that had committed suicide, was very angry about that. Um, I saw a bunch of teens, including my own oldest child, was having a lot of issues with life at that point. Um, And so I sat there and I asked myself, what are these people missing? Um, And everybody, if you look at any celebrity, right? Um, I'm going to use the Kardashians because we've all watched, we all know who the Kardashians are. Whether you watch them or not, we all know who the Kardashians are. And on the premiere of one of their seasons, many, uh, a few years ago, one of the, one of the sisters, um, Courtney was sitting there with Chloe and she said, you know, I have everything I could possibly want. I have beautiful children. I have money. I have a business. I have all of these things, but I'm just not happy. And she started crying. And I'm like, hi, I'm here. I know what's going on. And, and, but it is, you look at celebrities, you look at very high, high influence people, people in the media, people in um, politics, and they have money. They have money. They have an abundance of money, but they're not happy. They turn to drugs. They turn to alcohol. They turn to sex. They start abusing the things that they can get their hands on trying to provide themselves with happiness. And then the rest of society who's not at that level 
says, why are you unhappy? You have everything. And you get shamed, right? So again, society mm-hmm. believes the more money you have, the more happier you're going to be, or you shouldn't be happy because you have all this money. But in reality, the path to, to getting all of that money is hard. And if you don't remember to stay true to yourself and to your identity and know who you are, you're not going to create that life balance. You're going to create burnout. You're going to create stress and strife, and you're going to be distant from yourself even and just go through the motions. And that's, that's what, what society has told us about money equals happiness. Yeah. I love the studies on this because they've been studying this since probably the the beginning of time, but there was a study done a little over 10 years ago. and, And what they found is that money makes us really happy until our needs are met. And then once our needs are met, money doesn't make us uh, much incrementally happier. And this makes sense on the money makes you happy until your needs are met. Because if, if you're running the risk of getting evicted every month, or you don't have running water or, or heat that will, that will impair your well being, and, and that makes sense to all of us. And at some point, most of us flirted. Now, maybe we weren't living in poverty, but a lot of us flirted with it at points in life, maybe our early twenties, And what we experienced is that more money made us happier because we were just trying to fit. We were just trying to scrape by. We were trying to put, get our legs under us. And so what we experienced is that money made us happier. Well then, so in our minds, we do these mental gymnastics where we extrapolate and say, okay, if going from here to here made us a lot happier then going from here to here will make us so much happier that's when the hamster wheel begins and we start running and running and running and we're running as fast as we can, but we're not really getting anywhere. And they've, so they've learned that once, once your needs are met, plus a little bit more, the, the happiness curve really tapers off and, and they show that, that more money will make you a little bit happier. And then I always say, but at what cost, if you are a little bit happier with, a, with more money, what's what what's the cost of getting there is the cost your time is it your mental health is it your stress is it is it you know losing your family or losing your role as a parent what does that mean and so i see people all the time and and, and i experienced this in my own journey and and where i was making i was making really good money and i was to the point where if, if i would have just kept doing what i was doing i never would have worried about money for the rest of my life but i was looking around and i was thinking if money truly makes us happy the people that I'm walking alongside every day, this should be the happiest place on this side of Disney world, but it wasn't. And I look back at my own life and I thought I'm not any happier than I was when my wife and I were just trying to figure it out. And I started to put these pieces together and, and I realized we've kind of missed the mark collectively. And that's when we made a drastic shift in our own journey uh, I, I was in commercial real estate for 15 years. And, and towards the end, my job was to go to the Middle East. I developed relationships with investors in the Middle East, royal families, and then they would give us billions of dollars and we would invest it in U.S. real estate. And I left that that career three and a half years ago. And my family and I, we took a, a 90% pay cut, 90, 90% pay cut to start over because we believe so much in this idea of meeting over money. And I wish I could tell you it was easy. It's not, it's hard. And we, we went from never having to worry about money again to there's some months as a business owner, you know how it goes as some months, you just don't know. 
And it's really hard, but I look back now, it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Yeah. I think I love, I love that you, that you, that you use meaning over money because it is right. You get to a point where your bills are paid and you can still live. Life is meant to be lived, right? We're supposed to experience. That's the whole purpose of life. The purpose of life is to experience, learn and grow and to find ourselves and find what makes us happy. Um, I have dreams. Don't get me wrong. I want a huge house that has everything I want. I want to buy my husband a business. I want, I have dreams, right? But it's not the dreams, you know, yeah, if they happen, they happen. If they don't, they don't. Am I working towards them? Absolutely. But at the same time, I'm enjoying the here and now I'm enjoying the moment. And yes, money, I need money to eat. I need money to live. We need mm -hmm. money to survive. Absolutely and utterly. Um, but sacrificing our experiences, sacrificing our moments, right? I said this the other day to my husband. I said, you know, I could sit here and focus on my past and just and and just complete utter focus on my past and everything that I did wrong, everything that happened, and I could sit in that and I could stay stuck in that. I said, or I can focus on my future. And I can focus on all the things that I want to create and start stressing out about, okay, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to do it? And start, you know, stressing out about all of that. Or I can do a little bit of all of it. I can process my past and say, how can I, I can't change it, but how can I change how I feel about it? And how can I use it to help me move forward, right? I can sit here and I can say, okay, what do I need to do? that's going to benefit me in the future? How am I working towards that today? But I'm not giving up my gift of now. Because right now, this moment, that's a gift. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed five minutes from now. We're guaranteed right here, right now. And when we put money over that, we're not living. We're not connected to who we are, right? A lot of celebrities, who am I? right? Your identity becomes being that celebrity. You're no longer that identity of yourself. When you're focused on trying to build and create a business, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it, I have six. It is not easy. It's time consuming. But when I focus on myself, my morning, I take an hour to myself to mindlessly do nothing, whether I want to binge watch a show, whether I want to binge, you know, a book series, whatever that looks like, that's my time. When I'm, you know, I bought a laptop the other day, a desktop. So I bought a laptop the other day so that while I'm watching TV with my family, which we do every night, right? As a family, we watch TV. I can do mindless stuff on my computer, right? If I need to send out an email, I can do it and still be spending that time with my family. Yeah. So it's, yeah. You said something I think is so important and I, we focus, we tend to focus on the destination. We want a lot of money or we want this thing and we dwell on it and we live a life of misery between now and hopefully someday having it. Often we put on the pedestal retiring really early. That's the pedestal. And I, I believe in, in focusing on the journey, not the destination. And as long as you have a, you, if you have a destination mind, great, but enjoy the journey to get there because the journey is the beauty. The journey 
is where you wake up every day excited for what you're about to do. Now, every day might not be fun, but you know there's a purpose behind it. And I think that's the biggest miss in this whole notion, because in you know, you know, especially here in the US, there's this the narrative is work is bad, not working is good. And so if not working is good, we need to figure out how do we hoard as much assets as we can as quickly as we can so that we can stop the stupid work thing and start to enjoy our life. And I believe that how about we just enjoy our life? How about we just enjoy life? And it shouldn't be about this this destination. And and I think that, you know, this idea that money doesn't provide happiness, they have proven that work provides so much. Work provides a meaning and fulfillment and, and, and purpose. And I believe in work, in, in, but the problem is most people hate their job because they have a job they think they have to have to have the things they think will actually make them happy. Mm-hmm. But I believe that all work matters, but not all work matters to me, not all work matters to you. And we need to find the work that matters to us. And there's so much meaning in that. And, and I have conversations with people that are like, Travis, you know, don't you ever just want to stop working and enjoy your life? And I always think to myself, my work adds to my life. It doesn't subtract. And if your life subtracts from your life, we ought to go find new work mm-hmm. because we live in the most connected society in the history of the world. We all have so many options in front of us. Go find one that you'll wake up every day and you're, you're you know, you'll, you're going to find something meaningful about that. Yep. <clears throat> So let's go, let's go uh, a couple experiences here. So you've got somebody who works at McDonald's. They absolutely love it. Absolutely love it because they get to meet people every day. They get to, you know, they love it, but they're happy. They're happy working at McDonald's, right? I have six businesses. And when people, when I tell people that I have six businesses, they're like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? How do you do that? And I said, because each one provides me with something different. Each one is something I'm passionate about. And I've made each one work for me. I don't work for my businesses. My businesses work for me. And it's not work because I'm doing something that I love, right? I'm doing something that provides for me, that I love doing, that's helping other people. You know, whatever that looks like for anyone. If you're a corporate, go into corporate. If you want to be a doctor, go be a doctor. But I think society needs to start focusing on, you know, what career, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What are you passionate about? You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be a McDonald's employee. Find what works for you. And if you need to do the hard stuff in between that, then do it. Running six businesses while, you know, getting them up and running. There's things that I have to do that I don't want to do, right? I don't want to be revamping my websites. I don't want to be setting up automation. I don't want to be doing any of that. But until I hire somebody, I have to do that. Right? But once I have the means to hire somebody, then it's like, oh, okay, I don't have to do that anymore. And I can focus on what I have. Yeah. I, I think too, there's this narrative in our culture, it's on social media a lot, but this idea that you haven't made it until you get out of a nine to five and working a nine to five is making somebody else money and while, while it's hurting you. And I, I think that's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I think we need to find work that matters to us. And I have friends that they work a nine to five, a corporate job. They love it. 
Mm-hmm. I have, I just met with one of my clients as a teacher. She's a grade school teacher. She loves it. And, and so this idea that you have to be your own boss in order to have a good life, I think is the most ludicrous thing. I know people that become their own boss because they think they should, and it's the worst existence they've ever lived. It's not easy. And, and some of us shouldn't be doing that. And, and I think that we each need to find our thing. And my, my, our running joke in our office, my business partner, he's a filmmaker. And the running joke is that we each live our absolute best lives and we're living each other's nightmares. You know, yeah. the idea of him being in front, him being in front of a camera or on a microphone or speaking in front of groups, his worst nightmare. You know, the idea of, of setting up camera equipment and lighting and getting it just right and then editing it and creating something with, with all that film, that's my worst nightmare. And that I think it's a perfect example of all work matters, but not all work matters to us. And in finding that, because I think we each have something and I think we're too busy listening to what everyone else is saying. Uh, I'm a youth group leader too. And I, I, I talk to these teenagers all the time. I love these kids and everyone's speaking into them saying, you need to go do this because you're good at math and, and you should be an engineer because you're good at math and they make a lot of money. So they say, oh, okay, well, if I make a lot of money, I suppose I should go do that. And then they go down the road and they realize this sucks for them. And, and I think we're, we're pushing people down a road of doing something for the wrong reasons. And I think that's why there's a statistic that I throw out. And this is an American statistic, but seven out of 10 American adults dislike or hate their job. No wonder we think work sucks because for most people it does. Yep, absolutely. Um, I have four children and, you know, my two oldest, my oldest son is a belt technician. My second oldest son is a mechanic and they love it. They love what they're doing. My, I don't even know what my, my oldest daughter is going to be. I don't even know yet. <laughs> we, no idea. But my youngest daughter, I swear that girl is going to be the prime, prime minister of Canada at one point because she's, <laughs> she's that type of girl. But, you know, we do encourage them. What do you love to do? What do you like to do? What do you, you know, you don't have to decide right now what you want to be, but just find what you love to do and, and, and encourage that. And I think that you working with your youth group, great, absolutely. We we need to be teaching the next generation. <coughs> you can do and be anything. Just make sure it's something you love. Mm-hmm. I I have a podcast coming up soon about the topic. I, I get people that say that come to me now and they'll DM me or or text me and they'll say, Travis, I hate my job. What do I do? Because they've heard enough of this repetitive content that we should probably have work that matters to us. And one of the ideas I talk about is we need to figure out what is our giftedness? What are we good at? What do we love and combine them in a way that's profitable? And I always say, I think we misinterpret the word profitable. We're not trying to be Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk. That's not profitable. That's something different. Profitable means, and you've alluded to it earlier, profitable means we earn the right to do it again. Profitable to me means I earn the right to serve my clients again next month. I earn the right to produce more content to help more people again. And to me, that's profitable. Now there's profitable, then there's, you know, then building something bigger. But for me, if we get to continue to do what we love, that's a huge win. Yeah. Um, and then there's people like me. I want to be the next Oprah Winfrey or Tony Robbins. Like that's my goal, right? Because mm-hmm. I know 
And I should be on your next podcast because my goodness, I have been through so many different careers in my life. And I'm only 39. I have been through a ridiculous amount of careers. I can tell you ones that I've absolutely hated and absolutely loved. Um, And in the end, I found what I'm really good at and I made it into a business. I love that. I think, I don't know if you see this in, in your work, but I think a lot of people, they don't recognize what they're truly good at. They don't recognize giftedness because I have a theory about this. And I want to hear your thoughts, but for most of us, we don't recognize our giftedness because to us, it just seems easy. It seems simple. Duh. Of course, everyone can do this. It's easy. And I, and I always say, no, that's what makes it a gift. The things that are easy to you aren't easy to everybody else. And so often we just overlook it. We, we look at other people's giftedness and we say, oh, I wish I was as funny or as good looking or as smart as these people. But you, you overlook your own giftedness because to you, it's, it's nothing. It's just who you are. And I think if we, were, if we were to all recognize our giftedness a little bit more clear, I think we could harness it so much better. Yep, absolutely. 100%. 100%. Um, I think I shared this on yesterday's episode or, or this week I shared it on an episode. I was sitting down with my husband and my um, son and I said, and, and I had mentioned something that they're not good at. Um, And I said, I'm not good at, and I'm only going to speak for myself, but I said, you know, I'm not good at giving my family my attention. I am very selfish when it comes to my time and my attention. And I know that about myself, right? That's something I'm not good at. If I could sit down and play on the floor with my kids or play video games for hours or whatever it is they want to do, I would love to do that, but I'm not good at that. I don't have the, the mindset or the patience to sit down and play with my kids. I did when they were younger, <laughs> but not so much now. Um, but I give them other things. I give them a voice. I give them a safe space to talk. I give them understanding and compassion and consideration. And, you know, I help them build their unique identity and, and claim that because that's what I'm good at. I help my own kids the way that I help my clients. Maybe not as great because I'm mom and, you know, you never really listen to mom as much as other people. But (laughs) at the same time, that's what I'm facilitating for them. Um, My work, I, you know, when we're talking about um, providing and, you know, what what success looks like, I want it. I want the experiences. I want the money where I can buy a cabin and we can go to the cabin every year, year round if we want, and just experience life as a family, experience family nights and, you know, vacations and whatever it is that we as a family want to do. And yes, you need money to do a lot of those things, but it's not the money that's creating the positive in that. It's the experiences. Mm-hmm. My experience working alongside of a lot of people is that most people have the ability to to execute on the things that matter to them, but they're misdirected. The resources are misdirected. And I think back to I had a young this is several years ago before before COVID, but I had a young young female client that was she was frustrated. She her aspiration was to travel the world and she was a couple of years into her career. And she hadn't traveled. And she said, Travis, I'm frustrated. I, I can't afford to travel. 
I want to travel. That's what I'm hiring you because I, I, I feel like I, I need to figure this out. And I said, great. So we talked and, and I asked her and I asked her, you know, your car, she drive, she drove a really nice car with a nice big payment attached to it. I said, well, tell me about your car. Do you love your car? And she goes, no, it's just a car. I don't care. I'm not a car person. And I said, why do you drive this car? And she said, well, people around me told me that, you know, I needed something newer and safe and reliable. And so I got the thing that everyone said I should get. Okay. And I said, what about your, your apartment? She lived in a very nice apartment. And, and I, and I said, do you, does, do you love that? Does that add value? And she goes, I don't know. It's just a place to live. I'm like, well, why do you live there? And she goes, I don't know. It's, <coughs> where, it's where my friends live. And I said, does it, does it make you happy? She goes, well, no. And, and I said, those two decisions alone are what is holding you back. And so she went, sold the vehicle, bought something far cheaper. And when her lease expired a handful of months later, she moved somewhere cheaper. And is that, and then just a few months later, she's traveling the world three, four times a year. It was, it was a misalignment of her behavior and her values. And once she aligned her, her, her behavior with her values, it was game over. She was able to live that meaningful life to her that created so much value. And, and she was able to create those memories and have those experiences. And I think a lot of us just need to take a look in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we really aligning our behavior with our values? And, and, and to some extent we all are, and to some extent we all aren't. And I think if we really were to take a hard look, I think we would find room to make some dramatic changes, which would free us up to then do those things that matter to us, not matter to everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A lot of our lives is based on what other people tell us we should be doing, or we should be wanting, or we should be acting or behaving or thinking. And that's, it's just not okay. Um, all right. Well, we are getting pretty close to, to time here. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we get going? I mean, I think just maybe something to add value to your audience is as they look at their own work and their own money is that, is that, and you pointed out earlier that, you know, we can, we, we've done things wrong in the past. We've made mistakes, but we need to give ourselves grace. We didn't know what we didn't know. And that tomorrow is a new day and that we have the opportunity every day to get, to push us further towards where we really want to be. And we, we only have what we have, and, and some of us have more resources than others, but we all have the ability to make some changes that can push us towards whatever that thing is. And we all need to define the thing. We need to figure out what is our purpose, what's our why, and then take little steps to get there, but then enjoy those steps, enjoy the journey, the good, the bad, the ugly in between. And I think, I think we can all live more meaningful lives if we really just try to embrace the journey instead of dwelling on that destination? My, my own coach, because um, most of us have our own coaches. Um, my own coach asked me the other day, she said, Melissa, what is your ideal work week? What's your ideal day? What does that look like? How many hours are you working now? I'm a business owner. So obviously, you know, I get to decide how many hours I'm working, what I'm doing during those hours and what the rest of my day looks like. If you had, and for anybody watching, if you had your ideal day, week, month, whatever that looks like, what would it look like for you? What would it feel like? What would you be doing? Who would you be with? 
you know, and, and I'm not talking everyday ideal day. It could, you know, this could be everyday routine. It could be, you know, once a year type thing. But what is your ideal day look like? And how are you, are, are you actually making that happen today? Are you doing things to benefit yourself, to self-love, self-care, to, you know, achieving your goals in the future? Ask yourself what your ideal day looks like. And then ask yourself, am I doing something to make this happen? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, last story. My husband and I moved to Northern Alberta um, many years ago. Um, we're back in our hometown. And we moved to Northern Alberta and Northern BC in Canada. And the lifestyle there is completely different. You are either working unbelievable hours in oil field or farming there is no time and when people do have time it's quadding it's boating it's camping things that my husband and I yes we enjoyed but we weren't equipped to do and we were lonely I remember when when I decided to move away um I felt like a, a butterfly in a golden cage yes I had a beautiful property it was gorgeous I was in the middle of nowhere um, the scene scenes were amazing, but I was trapped. I, I didn't feel, you know, I was a butterfly trapped in a cage and we moved back home and, you know, the lifestyle is different here. People work nine to five. I don't, but most people work nine to five and, you know, you get together with friends in the evenings, on the weekends, you make time for people. And I missed that. So again, look at your life, ask yourself, what do you feel is missing? What do you enjoy? What do you not enjoy? And, and how can you make that happen? Love it. Absolutely. Love that. All right. Well, thank you, Travis, for joining me today. I really appreciated it. And this has been one hell of a topic. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. All right. Just a family, if you would like to connect with either myself or Travis, please do so. Our links are in the description of this episode. Go and check us out. Reach out to Travis. Um, if you would like to, you know, get involved with, you know, uh, oh, I can't even remember what the first word of your slogan there was. I don't know why I can't remember it. Meaning over money? Meaning over money. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep thinking mindset. Meaning over money. Go and check Travis out. Link in the description. Uh, check our sponsor, Phoenix Identity, if you want to find out who you are and, and really understand what matters to you and how you can make that happen. Go check out Phoenix Identity. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you want to see a topic featured, please reach out to us at justalivetv.com. Um, we're not just entrepreneurs on this show. I realized I hadn't been mentioning this. I'm not just looking for entrepreneur guests. If you are an everyday nine fiver, if you are a regular day person and you have a short story you want to share to inspire the world, please reach out to us. Again, just the live tv.com. All right. I'm your host, Melissa Crutchler. I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.